0: Welcome to The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca. Today we're talking with Carl Hendrickson. He is the Sea Level Rise Adaptation Fellow with the Oregon Coastal Services Division of the Oregon Department of Land Conservation and Development. Carl, maybe we can start out a little bit by talking about sea level rise in general. What it is, why we're worried about it, what's causing it? Yeah, sea
1: level rise is... uh... Just what it sounds like, the the seas are growing in elevation. There's a couple things behind this. Um, first and foremost is thermal expansion of water. So, um, with climate change and global warming, um, the atmosphere is warming up, and with that, the ocean is warming too. When the ocean warms up, it actually increases in volume, so it expands a little bit, and that thermal expansion is actually what's driving sea level rise the most um that lot, doesn't get talked about as much right it's uh it's a little harder to conceptualize the ocean warming and expanding like that what most people hear about and think about is the glaciers melting the ice sheets collapsing sort of those more charismatic and visual things more dramatic things certainly. yeah certainly
0: and those are true but the expansion of water with with heat yeah it's something we don't think about and that's the biggest cause
1: that is the biggest cause um You know, I can't give you an accurate percentage, but I I think that's the largest proportion of it. And then uh, ice sheets and glaciers melting and the ones that we all hear about um, are certainly not far behind in cause. And then, you know, in different places, there's different conditions that go into it. So sea level rise isn't the same everywhere on Earth.
0: When we talk about sea level rise and and read about it, it usually talks in terms of... uh of so many centimeters of rise uh, or millimeters of rise that are happening over time. And that seems like such a small amount, but cumulatively, that's an issue. Absolutely.
1: Um, you know, where we've developed our coastlines in a lot of places, um, they're they're set in stone. They're built. And as sea levels rise, you know, beaches are pretty flat. It, it doesn't take much for a, a few millimeters or centimeters or inches to really bring that sea level feet and feet, hundreds of feet inland um, into development and things like that.
0: We've just been through king tides here, and um, along our own riverfront, we see where the king tides have eroded away, some. in some cases, right close to the pavement of the riverwalk. And if you think about if the sea level were maybe six inches higher or eight inches higher or a foot higher, what would happen, and where would that water have gone then, and how much damage would it do? Yeah, I mean, it's
1: great you bring up king tides, um those are sort of a a glimpse of the future. Um, you know, right now we only get those windows sort of November through January. We get a couple of them, but, uh, it's not hard to imagine down the road when we've got sea level rise that those same King tide levels are occurring outside of that window. That's sort of the new regular. And then, yeah, King tides all of a sudden are in shop fronts, uh, in restaurants are coming up on the streets. Um,
0: well, we want to talk about how we adapt to it, and that's what you're all about. I mean, you're the exactly. Adaptation uh, Fellow. Um, but isn't the first step sort of to understand what the problem is, to do the mapping and so on, to see where the water is? water, You know, the water wins. Where does the water want to go, and, and what do we do about it?
1: Yeah, so mapping sea level rise is a, a big process. It's not only understanding ocean levels. It's understanding storm surge and king tides a lot of the other things that go into that cumulative water level Um, and then there's the land side of it where is the sea rising so understanding um, really precise elevations on our shorelines um, of what we can expect to be uh, at risk from sea level rise and then let's think what else Um, you know what's what's there what communities are sort of Uh, at risk with this sea level rise
0: what do we need to take to take action on what do we need to try to move or protect or in some way deal with the fact that water is going to be there
1: yeah i mean
0: these coastal communities these are really valuable
1: places the oregon coast is gorgeous and all the communities along it are vibrant and we don't want to lose all that um adapting to sea level rise can come in a variety of forms um You know, we can elevate structures, we can change our city planning to make sure we're not building in hazardous areas. Um, But, you know, eventually when you talk about six to eight inches, some of these long-term forecasts, there's not much we can do about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we look into the distant future, um, it's really going to be a different shoreline. And we're going to have to have some different practices in place to deal with that.
0: So we even need to deal now with a rise in sea level that's much smaller than than that, because it's still going to affect us.
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, with this incremental rises, we can have issues in fresh water supplies. Um, a lot of the underground septic systems and things are already at risk. I mean, we're seeing sea level rise right now. It's not just something that's going to be 50, 70 years down the road. We're We're feeling it right now and we're starting to adapt. It's just, how do we adapt faster maybe as it accelerates?
0: Well, the reason you're here, really, is because of something you're going to be doing along those lines. You're going to be having workshops in the area to talk about sea level rise and to see what, what people want, what's important to people, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, so working for the Department of Land Conservation and Development, it's, we can obviously reach out to different state governments, county governments. Um, you know, We're all in the same family, so we can Hear from each other, but what we have a little more trouble with is hearing from community members, from people who are living with sea level rise, who live along the coast. It's a little harder to hear from folks like that, and really it, that's important. That's what we're trying to save in our communities. Um, so, what we're planning to do is hold some workshops this March uh, to bring folks out to. Educate some people a bit about sea level rise and also get educated ourselves on what about the coast is so important to people and what might be at risk from sea level rise.
0: Uh, Where are those workshops going to be held?
1: Right. So we're going to be holding five workshops this March. Um, First up, we actually have a Spanish language workshop, March 11th in Seaside from 1 to 3 p.m. Then we'll move up the coast starting at Arch Cape on March 14th at the fire station there from 6 to 8 pm invite anyone in that area falcon cove as well uh the next day march 15th we'll have one in cannon beach at the city council chambers again 6 to 8 pm march 21st we'll be at the lewis and clark fire station and march 23rd we'll be in Brownsmead at the grange and all of those last ones 6 to 8
0: p.m and what what form will those workshops take? Uh, you know, people will come, I think, with varying degrees of knowledge and understanding about sea level rise. Are you going to sort of start with an orientation or an explanation? And will you be able to tailor that to the communities you're in, saying, you know, here's what it looks like here and here's what the maps show us?
1: Yeah. So just like we started off today, um, we we're going to start off the workshops with a little bit of information on what sea level rise is, what's driving it. And what we sort of predict it to be like in the future, get everyone on the same playing field of understanding. Um, And then from there, what we really want to do is have a conversation, Um, you know, show people what we think Silverize is going to look like, and then ask them what are the things that Silverize is going to impact? If we think there's going to be X number of inches by some date, what does that impact? Does that impact? you know a grocery store that everyone loves a church that is a meeting place a park where we hold community events um, what are some of these things that as a community are really critical to a sense of place um, but that if you lost them to seal it would really be an impact it's it's some of those things that we want to get at um, that's a little harder to understand without getting people out and hearing from them
0: there are a lot of different elements to it uh, too in terms of, of trying to adapt to it um you know, I think what most of us think about is is raising things. In other words, if your fire station is down too low, then you have to put your fire station up higher, or your mm-hmm. school is down too low, then you have to put your school up higher. But there's, there is that, for sure, but there's more than that, right?
1: Yeah, it's not all just, um, you know, physical infrastructure. Elevating things is certainly important. Uh, protecting our shorelines, protecting our dunes and some of the natural features that are protecting us right now, we need to protect them so that they can sort of do the work for us. Um, And then beyond that, it's working with cities and counties uh, to get their code updated to think about sea level rides. When they want to develop an area, they need to understand what sort of risk it's at now and in 30 years. Uh, You know, we don't expect these new things we put into, we expect them to last for a long time. And we want to think about that long time. So some of the changes are uh, you know administrative. How do we help people do the right thing with the right knowledge in hand
0: and And wetlands are really important, aren't they? And we've had a tendency in our culture to to um, fill wetlands so we can build things where the wetlands were, but now wetlands are one of the ways that we deal with sea level rise absolutely. Um, wetlands help
1: by being sort of a, a sponge for this when we have sea levels rising in an area and we're worried about it overtopping into a neighborhood or something, if, if there was a wetland nearby, that wetland could soak up a lot of that water level. You'd see it filling there, and, and wetlands are meant to fill up with water,
0: unlike communities. Well, we have an example here that that, that everyone who lives here will know about, and that is uh, south of Seaside, every year in the winter, on Highway 101 would flood when there was heavy rain and, and the tides were wrong and so on. And uh, some years ago, the uh, the Land Conservancy bought land where those wetlands were, and they removed the dikes and so on and restored the wetlands to what they were naturally. And now Highway 101 doesn't flood anymore. So, I mean, there's a perfect living example right here of how important those wetlands can be in terms of, of dealing with that problem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a great example. And, um, you know, in the future... We hope to sort of take back some of these places that have been developed or drained and diked um, and bring some of these wetlands back that, again, act as sort of a a buffer, a sponge to help soak up some of this sea level rise and keep
0: it out of communities. There are other things that uh, individual citizens may not have to worry about, but cities and counties do because uh, sea level rise also threatens drinking water. Uh, It threatens... uh, other kinds of infrastructure like our wastewater treatment systems and so on, we have to deal with what happens with those and how we, how we move them or how we, how we protect them, uh, against sea level rise.
1: Yeah. I mean, those are great examples of, uh, sea level rise impacts right now. Oftentimes sea level rise can be thought of as, as happening in the future as, you know, what are we going to do in 30 years, in 50 years? But, uh, underground yeah we're we're feeling a lot of those impacts right now and so thinking about how we can replace septic systems before they completely fail Mm -hmm. is really important for our environment because you know what's worse than a septic system leaching out and you having to clear out an area um or you know drinking water you know as the sea levels rise so does that water table and suddenly the deeper you dig you're not finding fresh water anymore um
0: well, how do you see as the as the best way to deal with this what do you what do you see as the timetable and how much time we have to do the things that need to be done and and what kind of steps we should take to get there? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. We're not saying that everyone right
1: now needs to head for the hills. Um, but I think that we need to be planning for this on the coast in in almost every decision we make um, when we want to put in a new building when we want to retrofit the parking structure or you know add something to a park we need to think about what it's going to look like in 30 to 50 years or what it looks like right now during king tides you know Um, if there's flooding going on right now that's just a a glimpse just a taste of what the future is going to be like and so planning for it in in all developments I think is really important
0: well, 30 to 50 years can seem like a long way off, particularly if you're a very young person. But uh, you know, as we think about ourselves in Astoria, most of the buildings that we utilize are way older than that. Our downtown is way older than that. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty important uh, uh, for us to think in those kinds of terms because a lot of the people, young people who are here now are going to be here and still in 50 years and will be living with, with what we do today.
1: Yeah, you know, we think about 30 years as sort of a an understandable timeframe as as a lucky new homeowner myself. That's that's our mortgage, you know, we're we're still going to have that place in 30 years and you know, just cuz it feels cozy and safe now. Um, you know, if if it was to be impacted by silver rise in 30 years, I I'd, I'd want to know. I'd want to plan for that before it got here.
0: So at this point, we just need to understand what is likely to happen almost certain to happen uh, as things are going and to to make our decisions based on that in terms of um what land uses we permit and who gets to build where and how, how we do those kinds of things yeah so you know as part of getting around that as understanding
1: where and what to prioritize um We at DLCD have released some materials lately that are helping folks think about that. Um, Actually, I'll do a little plug at coastalatlas.net slash sea level rise. You can access the materials that we're actually going to use for our workshop. We've got a a viewer to help people see sea level rise, visualize where it's going to be and what it's going to look like. We've got a spreadsheet that helps us prioritize different things. So I mentioned earlier... You know common meeting places like a park maybe a church or a grocery store those those are all important in their own ways but how do we prioritize those things if they're all at risk at once and this spreadsheet sort of gets at some of those different community features of how how replaceable or irreplaceable it is how at risk and things like that and then finally we've got a sea level rise planning guide that uh has a whole slew of options i mean everything i've mentioned today is in there in one form or another, be it city code changes, um, county fundraising, shoreline protection. Um, it's sort of a, a playbook for anyone who wants to think about sea level rise and adaptation. So we're we're using those tools, and we're going to bring those to the workshop and sort of work through that with people to bring them along.
0: Would you repeat again how you access that? And let's try to do that again at the end of the program. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You can find these materials at coastal sorry atlas Dot net slash sea level rise
0: okay and let's try to remember to repeat that uh, uh when we're through colonel tell me a bit about your background and and how you came to be in this position
1: yeah absolutely i uh have been a scientist for most of my professional career and i just was working on a master's in seagrass and oyster restoration um and I love the fieldwork of that, but I always thought about, you know, where is this going? Who's going to use this work, and, and how's it going to help out? You know, I, I love helping the environment, but uh, what sort of people are going to use this and when? And so I wanted to reach over to the other side, if you will, to the public policy realm. Um, and I saw this position. It's a, a NOAA fellowship. Um, it's administered through the Sea Grant, which is a program within NOAA. And I know that they do a lot of great work um, in communities and you know, getting the science to the streets, if you will. Um, So that was where I wanted to go with it, and I decided to apply for this, and, you know, a couple rounds of email interviews, and actually I traveled to Charleston, South Carolina, for a round of in-person interviews for this, and uh, I was lucky enough to be one of 12 in my cohort of coastal management fellows. Now,
0: this this project you're working on now is primarily Clatsop County, right?
1: That's right. So we're working specifically with Clatsop County, and then within the county, we're also working with the city of Cannon Beach, and we're working with Fort Stevens State Park. Um, so all three of those entities have different issues going on, and so we're we're coming at them sort of all from different angles.
0: Well, let's go back and talk a little bit about the workshops again, because that's kind of the key feature of, of what you're doing right now. And uh, you mentioned one of the locations is Brownsmead. And Brownsmead, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, is a pretty heavily diked community. Um, so they're not far away from, uh, from water uh, and from sea level rise. And so what will happen in the, in the Brownsmead workshop? What, what will take place there?
1: Yeah, well, we're really excited to be working with them um, you know, as a community working on the land uh i think it's really important to not forget about those folks and think about just big cities and things uh they're dealing with sea level rise just the same um like you said being a diked in area um you know if sea levels come above that that's that's sort of it for them the, the dikes the last the first and the last line of defense um so with them we're hoping to hear about um, you know specifically the issue areas, they had some overtopping on Pentilla Lane just in this last King Tide cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, we had folks, or they had folks in the community out there, you know, dropping sandbags, doing everything they could as a community to deal with this. And we're hoping to get to the root of that issue, you know, work on that road, see if we can find some funds for them to help elevate that or put some protective structures in, something that's gonna, um, you know, plug up that risk, because it's, it's a big risk for them.
0: It's Sort of all or nothing. Well, maybe we can use uh, Brownsmead too as an example of of kind of what we're talking about here. It's it's upriver, but sea level rise is still going to have an effect even upriver to uh, places like Brownsmead. Yeah. Um, so the mighty Columbia rolling
1: down there, um, it's certainly interacting with the ocean. And while back up in Brownsmead, they're not experiencing any ocean conditions. It's all freshwater. When the tides come up, it's pushing up the river. Mm-hmm. Um, so the river levels rise, too, as folks in Astoria, anyone along here can attest. Uh, it's not just the river level. The,
0: the seas have an impact there, too. And that the date of that workshop is what? That's the last of the five, right?
1: That'll be the last of the five on March 23rd. Uh, before that, March 21st, we'll be at Lewis and Clark in the fire station. Uh, the fire station on 101 there. March 15th, we'll be in Cannon Beach at the City Council Chambers, and then March 14th, we'll be at the Arch Cape Fire Station. Again, we invite Falcon Cove to join us for that. And then March 11th, we're going to be in Seaside for a Spanish language workshop.
0: And all of these places uh, in, in a different way is is a place that that does have to look at sea level rise because they will all be feeling the effects.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Arch Cape and Falcon Cove, they've had some houses uh, succumb to landslides and sea level erosion just in the last 10 years or so. So those communities are acutely aware of the ocean coming right up to them. Cannon Beach is the same way. I mean, when the king tides come in, it's it's getting into some properties. Um, So, yeah, all these communities we're working with are are definitely experiencing,
0: I think, in a way. People in this area may be more familiar with the idea of the Cascadia Subduction Zone and yeah. and what we need to prepare for there, even though we have no idea when that's going to happen. Right. Uh, and sea level rise seems uh, a little less scary, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Um, but it has it has its own effects that we have to be concerned about, not a tsunami, but uh, the gradual taking away of of basically, lots of things we depend on.
1: Yeah, it's good you brought that up. That's, that's an interesting part, particular to this part of the coast, about sea level rise. Um, it's not just the sea level that's affecting it. It's also local tectonics. So here in Clatsop County, actually, uh, might consider ourselves lucky that there's this Cascadia zone, because it's uplifting a little bit as well. So mm-hmm. relative to sea level rise, we actually haven't experienced it as bad as other places along the coast. Um, there still is that impact. We're still seeing King Tides eking their way up. Um, but we've actually been in a, a relatively good position due to that. Now, when and when that event happens, it's going to be a different story. But uh, I think that we're hoping some of the impacts we're going to have with these workshops and Sea Level Rise will work there, too. You know, thinking about where to to not build into the future and how to... Rebuild infrastructure to plan for some of this water inundation. Um, it's got co-benefits. You know, it's not just about sea level rise. When and if that Cascadia subduction event happens, we'll get benefits there too.
0: And uh, recently, here we had uh, sort of our local expert on Cascadia, uh, Pat Corcoran, uh, uh, hold a, a workshop on that, and and he made in in a way the same point. He he recommended that people not think so much about the worst possible earthquake that Cascadia might bring because that's over overwhelming but to take a look at most of them are lesser and occasionally you get this this huge one but to think about what you would do to prepare for and and deal with some of those lesser earthquakes and those things that you do seem more manageable and they also will apply if and when the the huge one ever does happen. So it's kind of biting off what you can chew, I think is is a way to look at it.
1: Right. It's, it's not just Hail Mary's, you know we're yeah. not just saying <laughs> pl- hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Um, you know, take take incremental steps there. Anytime we plan something new, think about this, you know, have it in your mind um, and so that when and if this
0: does occur, uh, we're a little more ready for it. Well, what happens after the workshops? What do you have planned and what ideally would happen after the workshops? Yeah, so we're really
1: interested in getting as many folks out as we can. We really want to hear from the community. Like I said, it's it's easy to hear from the city and the county, but it's a little harder to hear from regular people. So once we've gotten some of that, you know, what are these important assets to the community, we're going to run it through um, our prioritization and, sort of come up with, you know, what's the most most important, what's the medium most important, um, and hopefully give people an idea of what to prioritize. And then, beyond that, um, you know, I'm here to assist in whatever way seems to be the community uh, direction. If that's finding funding, you know, I'm here to help figure out what the the right grant is, how to write up the right proposal and get it all lined up. Um, If it's working with a subdivision to figure out what their new policy is going to be. You know, I'm sort of that liaison helping people work with the city. Um, you know, my position is, is to help in general. It's not specific to any one thing. So whatever we come up with after these workshops,
0: uh, that's, that's me. So once we have this data, the, the idea of dealing with the issue still is going to fall on uh, local government agencies and so on. But they'll have the data... So they'll know better what's important and what's going to happen, and you'll be the connection then to assistance in terms of grants and so on. Exactly. Um,
1: you know, having this information, showing that you've done the, the research that you've come up with what these things are, those are all important parts of, as you said, finding grant funding. Showing that you're doing what you can and, and you need a little more help down the road, that uh, looks really favorable in some of these grants, so.
0: And is the state a player in this as well? How how does the state fit into this?
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, the state administers grants uh, through Office of Emergency Management and and others. Um, I'm certainly reading all sorts of FEMA literature about some of their grants and things, so um, funding can come from a lot of different directions. We're also working with some non-government groups the columbia river estuary science trust so they're they're helping us out in terms of working with communities and finding funding um we're coming at this from as many angles as we can
0: sounds great well let's before we finish again uh, talk about the workshops and their dates and also give that address for information
1: yeah absolutely um so To find all this information, to see the tools that we're going to be working with and get a look ahead of time, you can go to coastalatlas.net slash sea level rise. Then for the workshops, March 11th, we're going to be in Seaside from 1 to 3 p.m. for a Spanish language workshop. March 14th, we're going to be at the Arch Cape Fire Station from 6 to 8 p.m. March 15th, we're going to be in Cannon Beach at the City Council Chambers, 6 to 8 p.m. March 21st at the Lewis and Clark Fire Station on 101, 6 to 8 p.m. And March 23rd at the Brownsmead Grange, 6 to 8
0: p.m. Sounds great. We've been talking with Carl Hendrickson. He is, and I love reading his title, the Sea Level Rise Adaptation Fellow with the Oregon Coastal Services Division of the Oregon Department of Land Conservation and Development. Thanks, Carl. Thank you, Roger. This has been The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rucka. Thanks for listening.